when you hear the word Christian, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Christian or Christianity? Just Christian. If I hear Christian, I hear the people and I hear the church and I hear the harm that Christians have placed on people in my community. So that's different from Christianity. Yes. So if I hear someone says, I'm a Christian, mm, mm. it resonates on with a low vibration for me because I feel as though, what do you mean by that? And like, what's your take of Christianity? Because some mm. people have their own interpretation of what Christianity is. Yeah. And it's not the same when you meet this Christian and if you meet that Christian, yeah. it's not the same. This is the Simply Love Jesus podcast, and you are listening to part two of a conversation that I get to have with Nylee Cyrus. Nylee is a transgender educator who wants to inform and help people understand the obstacles and the trials and the, the hardships that those within the LGBT community face. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't listened to part one, I want to encourage you to stop what you're doing, go back and listen to part one because it helps set the tone and set set up a bigger context. We are doing a segment called Conversations. This is a segment that we have in this podcast, and I've, I believe it's very helpful for you to go back and listen to that fuller context, but also to, to start the conversation from the beginning. Don't jump into the middle of the conversation because you're going to miss some important things that we talk about. And in part one, it is very focused on more surface level stuff to get a little bit more uh, of an understanding of Nylee and some of Nylee's interests and what Nylee is passionate about. And so, yeah, part one is just is very surface level, but I think it's very important because it gives you a wider context of what you're about to jump into. Stick around for the end of the episode where I want to talk about some cool things that you can do to follow up and stay involved and stay connected. But that being said, here is part two of my conversation with Nylee Cyrus. So I guess now, now I'll ask the flip question is, so what do you first think of when you hear of Christianity? Unconditional and everlasting love and forgiveness, hope, faith, um, eternal healing. That's what I hear with Christianity. Yeah. And I've arrived at that point because I used to confuse the two, Christianity and yeah. Christians. And I had to understand, but that's not what the word is. The mm. word is understanding and being closer to him and not the actual people because yeah. we are still people. We are still sheep. Yeah. And we are still trying to have our own interpretation of the word. Mm. So I've gotten to a point where I've been able to decipher between the two yeah. and understand Christianity. And then there's the people. That is really cool. And it's not something you hear a lot. So I, that's really encouraging. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about your experience, like with the church in general, starting from, you know, before, before you kind of be, became who you are and after and just the whole spectrum. I grew up in the church, um, Bible study, Sunday school, um, my aunt and my mom, I was always in church. Um, we were Kojic, so Church of God in Christ. Okay. Um, and I was in the choir, so I had Bible study, and then we had choir practice. 
Um, and then as I started to, not so much how it impacted me, but I saw how it impacted my friends mm. with their queerness and how people talked about them if they were gay or like, you know, the um, stereotypes of the pastor kid is always the most whatever. Um, and I just saw the judgment and the prejudice towards anyone that was other yeah. in the church. And so that made me stray away. Now, I never personally felt that, yeah. but I saw how it impacted my people in the close community to me. Hmm. And so I stopped going to church, but I didn't stop building the relationship that I have with my, my God. Yeah. So where I am now, I've strengthened that relationship one-on-one -on -one as opposed to being in fellowship with the congregation. So would you So would you identify as Christian? I toggle between the two because yeah. I feel like Christian has um, a, a, a certain commitment that comes with that. Yeah. I, I deem myself more spiritual because I still believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I yeah. still believe that. I do believe that there is a higher being, God, the Alpha, the Omega, but do I believe that what Christianity is today, it was what it was meant back then? I do not. So I don't, I toggle between the two. Like I understand Christian, I can have conversations about Christianity, but I would proclaim myself to be more spiritual. So why is it that, or I guess, what is it in your, because you said that you don't think Christians today are what Christians were intended to be when you know back in you know 32 AD or yeah, uh, no it would yeah 33 AD. Mm -hmm. um, what is it that you feel like they were supposed to be? Because I would agree with you that I don't think Christians, the church today, is what it should have been. But I don't. I wonder if it was if it's for the same or for different reasons. What is it was love and forgiveness. Love thy neighbor yeah. um, to be of, of service and to help, to forgive often and as frequently as possible. Yeah. No judgment, no weapon forms against me shall prosper. It's all of these things that that's not what's being held up today. So many judgments are being passed, so many prejudices. Uh, you have to tell someone, hey, do you forgive me? And they, they have to be in a sense of self-reflection to even get forgiveness from someone that's in community to you when the bible says forgive thy neighbor if they if they faulted you 30 times you forgive them 31. Yeah. so yeah. i mean you can go by word for word based on your interpretation but even in that are you going by what he said yeah. no mm, that's really yeah that's really interesting and I mean, that's a great, great answer in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a great answer. Uh, I think, I think for me that why Christianity today doesn't look like it was intended to for me primarily is for same reasons, but for me it's also um, even more so. Primarily has to do with historic, like a lot of his. I'm a big history nerd, so I really believe it's in part because of the our natural selfish nature. Like me personally, I believe all people are inherently selfish. Like I think all of us within us have a very me focused nature. It's about what I want, what I need, what feels good to me, what feels right to me. What's, it's all about like me. And I believe those are the very things that create the problems in our life. And in fact, I believe that's one of the, one of the many big lessons and themes that the Bible is trying to communicate to people is that, um, the, 
the way that you start overcoming the problems in your life and in your world is when it is no, it is not about you. When you start when you stop trying to take the take the power into your own hands, but when in fact you relinquish power and you trust God to be the one who gives you the power, and you trust Him to have control, and you trust Him to be the one who's going to create, who's going to be able to live that out, and you are responsible for loving God and loving Him and knowing who He is as a person, and the more that you know i you know the one thing i talk about a lot on my podcast is you know it's partly trying to help reestablish a right relationship and what an authentic relationship with jesus looks like and so one of the things that i constantly um parallel is romance i use romance as like one of my greatest parallels to what a relationship with god looks like not that they're directly paralleled because i don't think we necessarily romance like god in the same way but i do believe that he created romance as a means for us to better understand a relationship with him hence you know, one of the most neglected but most beautiful books in the Bible is Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's erotic love poetry. It's like mm-hmm. God's word to us as something that will blow a Baptist mind. But it's, uh, so it's, uh, but one of the things that I'm constantly trying to get people to understand is that like when I meet someone and I like someone and I see them, if I you know, see them for the first, I'm the kind of guy like I don't really pursue someone unless like I see them and I have to do like a double take and I'm like, oh, what's up, guys? Like, who are you? Like, you know, you just want to be around that person all the time. You want to know what they like. You want to know what they love. You want to know all these things. And like, the more that you know a person, the more you start to share what they care about. You start to care what they care, care for what they care about. Like, uh, when I was in high school, um, I was dating this girl and I had never seen the show Friends and she loved the show Friends and I'd never seen it before. And I was like, well, you love this show so much. You quote it all the time. I want to see what the show's about. And now it is also one of my favorite shows. I cared about it because she cared about the show and because i she cared about it i then learned why she cared about it why she loved it and thus in that process began to also develop a love for that show and i think it's the same for our relationship with god where it's it's you you should um the more that you seek god and instead of trying to overcome the problems in your life through your own strength you just focus on loving Jesus and running after him. And the more that you learn about Jesus, that's what I believe the Bible is. The Bible is an opportunity to know who God is as a person and you get to experience and well, it's one of the reasons, but, and you get to learn what God loves and more importantly, who God loves. And then you discover God's love for his creation, for his people. And the more that you see it through that, that lens, you begin to then have a love for the people around you. And you begin to have a desire to, to love and to care and to, and to help the people around you simply because God loves people. And because he loves people, I love people because I've grown close to him and learned why he loves people. And now begin to not just do it out of obligation, but do it because I have adopted and shared that love for people. And now it has become my love for people as well. Um, And so I think that, you know, along the way in history, different things and events have slowly eroded away because of the selfish nature within our hearts. And thus when, you know, the church kind of gained control over the government and, you know, 312 AD through Rome, that slowly started the progression of turning Christianity into this, um, Essentially, you know, one of the patterns that I've seen in the world is that you have these underdog persecuted people, they have comfort and then through their comfort, you know, their selfishness corrupts them and then they become the persecutors. And that's why I think one of the biggest problems is that the church, at least in America, has for a lot of people are have become the persecutors 
for a lot of people, the church has have become the persecutors and no longer were the persecuted people that Jesus said that we would be. Um, and so it's for those reasons, like, yeah, I would agree that the church is not what it should be. Um, and it's, you know, none of us are who we should be because we're always growing in that process. And so, um, but tell me a little bit more about when, because you have a very unique experience of both growing up in the church, having this not as of, um, aggr- I guess, aggressive of a view of Christians and having a very different experience. What have you seen? We'll ask both sides of the question, but what have you seen Christians do right in your life in terms of how they've engaged with you? And then later we'll ask what you feel like can be room for improvement. But can you think of specific stories or examples where you're like, man, these people, they did something right, like in this specific instance. (laughs) What have I seen Christians do right? In a sense of, are we talking about the church or just people that have said that I know that they are Christians and I said that they have done this? I like would, for you, for example, like uh, I know yeah, that you're I, a Christian. Yeah, I would, I would say, well, for, I guess for me, I would say they're, they're both the same. Okay. The church is the body of Christ, but yeah. It's the congregation. I honestly haven't seen, and I'm, I don't know if I'm, and that's probably because of my proximity to it, but I haven't seen anything where the church has done, done it right, mm. as a, opposed to our community, our queerness, and identifying as trans. I've heard some stories where there have been queer pastors or i know that there's a church in new york of queer people i think there's a church here in atlanta of queer people um but i honestly personally have not seen or am close proximity of where and that's not to say that it hasn't happened yeah i just just i haven't seen it correct so uh what about just like individuals who've identified as christian because i would just still say that is still representation of the church Mm -hmm. um even though they may not be a collective group effort a congregation uh, I've had people reach out to me to ask questions to better understand and how to be inclusive like what do I need to do like I've actually have a pastor I kind of message they message me all the time on Instagram like what can I do to make sure that we're talking and being inclusive with this Sunday's message or how do I make sure that this is inclusive with what I'm putting on their marquee Um, so that's a personal experience that I've just recently was like okay so maybe I am impacting people in the church I'm impacting people in different avenues as opposed to just our oppressor Um, so that was a personal experience and then being here having this conversation with you like it was a shock to me to hear that you are a straight white male and you're having a conversation with a black trans woman about Christianity so the 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 audience that that's going to pay attention to this conversation is going is going to impact impact a lot from my community just being black and trans and then yours being white and Christian yeah yeah absolutely I think and I think that's that's good and you know hopefully even moving forward you'll be able to look at experiences like this and to be able to say and you know and my hope is that any anyone who follows you if they listen to this podcast hopefully their takeaway is they're like man at least I can know there's at least one there's one Christian out there who when they hear about me and they talk to me like they they're not going to just instantly throw, throw the bible yeah. throw the bible at them yeah mm-hmm. um, that that's really good
what so let's talk a little bit about like because i've always been so fascinated by this the idea of like being inclusive because you have you know you have a lot of people in the world who have their opinions on whether on homosexuality on transgenderism whether it's moral or immoral and all these things and you have like we talked about even in the beginning um you have a lot of people who um they have their opinions on whether it's right or wrong and someone just called me i don't know who it is um so you have the, all you have a lot of people who have their opinions on whether something is right or wrong and I think especially for people that I even grow up with and people in like in my world, they have this idea and their perception is that, well, they just they just want us to completely change what our convictions are and what we believe. And they want to just, just completely adopt all these things that we may not necessarily agree with. Where it is the what is the the lot? What does inclusivity look like for you? And is there room for like honest, like honest, but respectful disagreement? And yet is there like a. Let me rephrase it. Let me phrase it this way, because I'm I'm the kind of person I talk while I'm a verbal processor. So yeah. So it's like, is there room for being be able to say that I am inclusive while also being able to say that I I hold still hold convictions that don't necessarily agree? Is there like room for that? No. As it pertains to my race, my gender identity, and my sexuality, that's nothing that you can disagree with. Just like very much so, you tell me that you are a white straight man yeah. there's there's no room for me to invalidate or disagree with you yeah. because of whatever i believe so how do you well how i guess so then let's dig into that even further like what does it mean to in your pers per, I, your perspective what does it mean to disagree would practically like what is that as like? it pertains to my gender identity yeah. to disagree is to say i don't believe in that it's not, i didn't ask for you to believe in it i'm here i'm existing i'm flesh i'm sitting right in front of you yeah. so it, i don't know what what I don't need. I don't ever want to feel like if there's a place where I need to convince you otherwise. Which is why I said my pronouns are I am. Yeah. I don't need you to understand to better have an understanding of me. I don't need you to agree for you to have a certain level of respect for me. No, we're going to have a conversation because we're having a conversation as humans. Yeah. I didn't ask whether you agree. I didn't ask your opinion. Yeah. It's invalid for me. I don't ask. I didn't ask you. Hey, so for the context of this conversation, yes, I asked. But for the most part, if we were just normal having conversations, I'm not going to ask. Hey, are you white? Are you gay? Are you are you straight? Like I'm not asking you those things because that doesn't depict my level of understanding and respect. I should I should have for you. So I never I personally feel as though you should not need any type of validation for us to have a conversation for you to depict the level of respect and understanding you have for me as a human mm -hmm. and an individual. So is there I mean to that to that question there is no healthy disagreement. Yeah. It's actually harmful. Cuz cuz I look at this like, you know, I'll look at um we'll use like politics as an example. You know, I don't I don't have a political identity, but um, I grew up in a pretty like conservative household. Um, but even within that, it's like if I have friends that are liberals, like I, some of my great best friends are liberals. I, I don't agree with everything that they may believe in a liberal political I identity and what they feel like the world should look like and all this stuff. We may not agree on those things, but we still uh, care for each other and love each other. And in, th in that sense, I would say we, we include one another in our conversations and we include each other and we care for one another. 
Um, does that like does that make sense in that oh, regard? Yeah, yeah. Does, does that are, does that translate the same? No, in your because those are choices. You can choose to be a liberal. You can choose to be a conservative. You can choose to be a Democrat. You can choose to be a Republican. I cannot choose to be any other race than black. I can't choose to be any other identity than what I identify as. So that's that notion of people feeling like this is a lifestyle or this is a choice. It's not. I grew up and I was assigned male at birth, but I always was a little girl. Like if you looked at all of my home videos, I played around and I was, a little, if you saw me, that is a little girl. And so when I came out and said that, hey, I am transitioning, it wasn't like a shock for anyone. It was more so a displeasement and a disappointment to my parents because they feel as though they failed as a parent. But for the most part, it was like, well, duh. So it's not... Um, that's not something that I can choose. I can turn off or turn on. Um, so when we're talking about healthy disagreements, absolutely. Yes, I want to have people with different experiences that have different viewpoints, but we can't disagree on my identity. That's not up for debate. I'm not interested if you do disagree because that lets me know the further conversation that we need to have. But that in that text of where you're saying, I am non-conventional but if someone to me comes and says that they're republican okay we can we're going to disagree on a lot of things but i can have healthy conversation and healthy dialogue and i can share my experience without invalidating yours and i think that's what people do they like to tell you where you're wrong for thinking this way or i judge you for feeling this way or you're stupid or you are inadequate for feeling how you feel, I can actually say, oh, I understand your perspective. I can get that, I can receive that. That doesn't mean that I believe it, I agree with it. I validated your experience, and that's what a lot of people miss. But validating my identity, I don't need that from you. The validation came from within. So that's why I say my pronouns are I am. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your addendum is. I don't care how you were brought up. That I can't do anything with that. It doesn't go towards my mortgage. It doesn't go to my car payment. I can't do anything with your opinion. Yeah. So I don't need it. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> that was a word. No, it was good. No, it was it was good. It gives me it gives me a lot to think about because I don't know what the right word is, but I don't beat around the bush with like what I believe the Bible teaches or what I believe is right. But for me, it's like that. For me, is a is. How I, how I live my life is I live and shape my life and I shape what I think and I shape what I do for my, for my, uh, my personal identity based on what I believe God was communicating to us through scripture and through those things. And for me, that's where I've always, because I've always had to ask myself, like, am I, am I an inclusive person? And I look at the experience, the, the hundreds and hundreds of experiences of people that I've interacted with where it's like I can honestly say I've never had a moment where I have treated someone in the LGBT community I've never treated them with like with hate or judgment or I've at least I've always at least I've or how would you know well I would say I would say I would I would know because of the way typically well one I feel like people's responses are pretty are pretty pretty open like people the people can you can tell when someone's being passive aggressive you can tell when someone's like trying to be like whatever but also because um i have consistent friendship with these people you know they're, they're not just like they didn't, there's not a moment where they just distance themselves from me like we're still close i have friends of mine who they still call me all the time we still catch up we still talk about what their tea is we still talk about like this new like some new fashion thing that they saw and they thought i'd like and we, we talk about that so it's like the consistent relationship makes me believe it's like well i was like 
it's like on one hand am i being inclusive like i don't know it's because i don't want to necessarily agree but i'm not asking them to change so it's like i'm not asking them to change anything i know what it shapes for me and what i believe in for my life is is right or wrong it's like i'm not asking them to change and yet i know i've treated them with kindness and love and sincerity they still i ask them all the time about their opinions on life and whatever and they ask me for their opinions and they we always are dialoguing and building friendships so it's like so on one hand i was like well am i inclusive am i not inclusive it's like i don't know because they would count me as their friend and i would count them as my friend like they would invite me to events and parties and i would go and i would, I would gladly invite them to parties and they would come so it's like but it's yeah. ever growing there are some yeah. times where you weren't inclusive like even me there are some conversations where oh i wasn't inclusive in that conversation or i wasn't inclusive in that title and those are things that you have to change you you start to understand when you under when you realize that there are a lot of people that won't always look like you think like you yeah. am i being inclusive and you won't know unless you are exclusive and then they tell you hey i wasn't included in that and then that's when you learn okay i need to be more i need to be more inclusive i think that's an everlasting thing i don't think there's ever one person that is like i'm always inclusive that's yeah. not realistic yeah. and i think that's really important because i think so, i think for a lot of people it's just even defining inclusivity because i know a lot of people who probably say very similar things to me who are like well i've never like I have a lot of people in my life who I have consistent influence and relationship with and if if they've ever been offended by me it wasn't actually it probably wasn't even because of uh, subjects like this it was probably because like we disagreed on video games and they got offended <laughs> it was because I said Xbox is better than PlayStation or whatever like so it's it's just trying it's I think it's really good to figure out how to define inclusivity because and trying to find out like uh, man, loud. Like even the idea of um, trying to define like allyship, for example, like that's something I'm tr I try to wrestle with because you know, like I said, one of my closest friends is LGBT. Like, and you know, he I don't. We've had multiple conversations where I've asked him, I'm like, dude, do I, have I ever made you feel like excluded? Have I ever made you feel like I don't care? And it, for us, it goes back to that very first day conversation. Was like the moment I told you. And you didn't change a single thing about how you treated me. Like, no, of course you're my friend. Of course, like, you support me. Of course, all these things. Even though what I would think and what I believe this, the Bible teaches would be in contrast to how he's living. And yet there's that weird, like, this, that weird contrast of, like, you know, I have these beliefs, but that my chief belief shapes how I treat you as a person and how I do not expect you to, you know, I don't expect you to change your life or anything. I just, I expect you to hopefully believe that I love you and would die for you without a second's thought. Like, so it's like, and so that's where we talk about what allyship is because yeah. it's, it's subjective to that person you're in allyship to. So I am not interested in allies to me. I want an accomplice. I want someone that is going to show up and show out when I'm out fighting for trans rights dismantling these anti-trans bills that are being passed in states daily. I want an accomplice, like who's going into those courtroom floors and saying, hey, this is not right. That's a step further than allyship. Allyship is, yeah, I love you, we're, we're friends. An accomplice is someone going above and beyond to making sure that you're dismantling the harm that is caused on our people. So I, yes, I accept allyship, but I, I want accomplices. Because yeah. there are still trans women that are dying and this is not something that can be handled lightly. Like, oh, let's just continue having allyship and conversations where people are um, 
or we're just aware of it. Not even an accomplice that's going to do something about it. So that's the difference between an ally and an accomplice. I need more accomplices. Well, uh, before I ask another question, do you have any questions? Like, is there anything like you're curious? Okay, that's good. I just uh, sometimes, sometimes when I do interviews, sometimes they're they're just like, oh, I never got to ask this question. I was like, oh man, it's a conversation. Let's we'll go back and forth. That's good. I don't know what the word is, but like, where do you feel like that that there's there's that balance? Like for like someone like me, for example, where it's like I have you know firm convictions, but my chief conviction ensures that I treat all people with love and sincerity and generosity. And how does how does I don't know? It's like how does that how does that work? How do you, how is that ten, how is that tension balanced in your view and in your your opinion? Where the same way it is for mine, because like I have my convictions, yeah. but you would never know it by how I am in communication with you or how I treat you as a person. Yeah. It's not it's not for me to even show even a slither of what that is because of how I communicate or am in a relationship with you. One is not your business. My convictions are my convictions. What I believe is what I believe. It should never come up in a conversation. And so when we talk about the Bible and we talk about how Jesus maneuvered through the world, I highly doubt he was just having conversations that this is what I believe. No, he was doing. Oh, yeah. Like he was he was like one of my favorite examples is Jesus with uh, Matthew, the tax collector. So, you know, I'm sure you've heard the story where, you know, Matthew gets or it's also Zacchaeus is another example where it happens. But Matthew is this tax collector and Jesus goes up to him, invites him to be his disciple. He says, come follow me. But that's rabbinic code word for, hey, you're going to be my disciple, which um, and got every all these religious leaders in uproar because he's a tax collector and tax collectors were these Jewish people that the Roman government um, paid to overtax Jewish people and they could pocket the change. And so they are literally Jewish people who, it's like, it's not direct equivalent, but similar to if a, you know, if a black person was a slave owner. Like it's this idea of like this, this person who's com- to- totally betrayed their own people. And so yet Jesus says, hey, come follow, come be my disciple. He invites him over his house with, as, with his friends who were, as the scriptures say, it says they were, um, I actually love how the New Living Translation translate this. It says that um, there were other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Like I just and, so, and yet Jesus was sitting with them. So the idea of just having a meal with them was way bigger deal than it would be in our culture. For our culture, it's like, hey, we're just getting dinner, we're just chatting. In their culture, literally having dinner with someone. One, their furniture was not chairs and tables like this. It was like oh, it was cushions, and it, they would like it was like this. And you know, listeners, you can't see me right now, but I'm like chilling. I'm like reclining, and that idea in their culture assumed friendship. So, and in those conversations, that's where he would. That's why. That's where actually birthed the the statement from where I say people want to know that you care before they want to know what you care about. Jesus was in a position in a place where he had friendship with these people, and in that same, you know, literally right in their faces when the religious leaders are talking to him, he literally says, "Sick people don't need a doctor; healthy people do." So, you know, granted, these people literally just heard them, and he said that he thinks they're like sick people, and he's the doctor, and yet they still continue to invite him because 
because they have that friendship and they want to hear what it is that he thinks. They want to hear what he believes and what he thinks about the kingdom of God. Um, and so, sorry, I just went on a tangent because it just, it, it triggered something where it just like, it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's, there should never be a moment where you hear my bias when I'm in relationship to you. Because that's my bias, not yours. And it shouldn't impact you in any way. Yeah. So no matter how I feel about you, you should never feel that. And if, the, if it resonates so strongly within me and I'm not able to manage that, am I of Christ? Yeah. Am I of God? And that's where the deeper learning of unpacking that, because it, it, should, it couldn't be. Because yeah. that's not of him. And to be more of like him, it has to be less of me. Yeah. Yep. Very. <laughs> Straight up Bible. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so was, I was gonna, say, I was gonna like follow it up. I was like, no, you like literally said the words. So, <laughs> um, that's really cool. What is it that you feel like the church can be um, doing better to continue to put out more of what it, uh, to be of, I guess, in inclusive for lack of better words, but. I would say more, I guess when I, when I say inclusive, I think I'm still trying to learn what it even means even now. Um, but for me, I guess the idea of inclusive would be what I'm living right now, which is this, you know, every person that I, I interact with, like, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you the same love and kindness that God commands me to do like straight up. Like it is, should be part of my being my inner like my it's so interesting jesus he takes things way more seriously than we do like you know i was uh watching how i met your mother the other day it's one of my favorite tv shows so funny but how i met your mother they were uh they were talking about um marshall was one of the characters and uh he was talking about how uh he was struggling with the fact that um, before he fantasizes about another woman he has to first have the fantasy that like his wife died or whatever and lily is like i don't care what you like your thought life is your thought life just don't you know just don't essentially it was like just don't you know do something it doesn't matter what your thought life is or whatever and yet uh jesus he takes things way more seriously he would say you know people hey jesus in in matthew and all over the gospels he says you know you say hey you shouldn't have sex with someone who's not your spouse but i tell you if you even think lustfully about another person you've already committed the sin and so jesus he goes so he takes things so much more seriously than we do he's like i don't want to just change what you do i want to change how you think i want to change your inside all the way out like and so it my my point is 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 I would, what is it, what is, should the church be doing where, at least for me right now, I would define inclusive as like what I'm doing. It's this, it's, you know, I have a firm conviction of what I think, but that does not But more, huh? because I think, so what happens is with the church, there has to always be that proclamation that I have my convictions. So, and what that says and what that resonates with people is, I don't agree, but. And that's where the defenses come up. Okay. That's not how Jesus operates. He yeah. doesn't tell you, I know that you're a prostitute, mm. but yeah. that's not how he maneuvers. Yeah. So he first, straight in with the exactly. I don't need to know yeah. what your convictions are. Yeah. Again, that's it's like, if you want to know, you're going to ask. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I was saying that I should know what your biases are. So starting there first, mm. I don't need you to say, well, you know, the Bible says, or, you know, I have mm. these convictions. I don't, that's great. But if you're trying to have that conversation where it was heart to heart, 
you've already raised my defenses because you're already telling me subconsciously that you don't approve or you don't agree of me. And that's my identity. This is not that I joined the circus and you want me to get a better job. This is who I am. And you're telling me I have my convictions. That's great. But are you really caring about me? So that's the step one. You want to interrupt you for a quick sure. second? Just because, like, I, something just... I'm the kind of person, once you say it, like, I just think, and I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. So why is it... I have my ideas first, but I want to hear what you think. Why is it that you think people do that? Because like, they don't want to dishonor their belief. So if, I, if I'm sitting here and I believe that everyone is a sinner, then I have a conversation with sinners. I don't want that to disrupt my my belief or I don't need anyone to view me as oh she's sitting with these sinners so I have to self-proclaim hey I'm not a sinner I, I I know that y'all are sinners but I am not and I can have this conversation because I'm of God and God says that I'm supposed to forgive all and have these conversations but I still don't agree no one asked you for that something similar slight slightly different but you also touched on it because the moment that you were talking about that it just got my brain turning and I think that the reason that people always have that whole but kind of conversation and that statement is a hundred percent rooted in caring what other people like carry caring more about what like for me it was like I would say that but only because I would care about what other Christians thought of me and rather than just living what Jesus calls me to do I it's this now this perception of it's this what do other people think about me and that in itself is an unhealthy and unbiblical mindset like God did not call us to care what to, he did not call us to to care what for this is the wrong way to word it but I guess it's the, the sexy way to word it it don't care what the Pharisees think about me <laughs> it's it's but and yeah, so anyway sorry and he's, just, yeah. he's the walking proof that he didn't care yeah he died on a cross he because did, yeah that's a sole example. So are you of Christ? Are you really inclusive? I don't need to know what your convictions are. I don't care. I didn't ask. Yeah. So, man, that's really that's really interesting. I'm loving this conversation by the way. It's just where it yeah. starts. It yeah. starts there yeah. because you 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 feel as though you did an inclusive thing where you included people, but you've already put but the barrier you down. Exclusive the moment that you felt the You you felt, drew the line. Yeah, you you felt the need Hold on one second. Let me tell this guy for a second. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm actually recording a podcast right now with another friend of mine. Uh, let me call you back. Sweet. But I'll be at your place uh, around four. Sweet. All right. Another friend of mine. We're actually recording uh, another podcast. Um, yeah. Busy day. Anyway, sorry. Go on. What were you saying? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. We were talking about... Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, was, I was saying something. I was talking about how it's the... Your... The, we make it we make it exclusive we as Christians we make it exclusive the moment we feel the need to first establish here's what I think and I think people there's a deeper heart problem within that but I think we we mask it with a good intention of thinking well I want to say this because I like I would I, when I used to say those things was because I wanted that person it was within it was the 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 innocent intention well I, I don't know if it was innocent because i feel like it's a deeper heart problem but for in the moment i thought it was an innocent intention of hoping that that person recognized oh like this person wouldn't agree with me but they love and care about me like no. and then and the, it does the opposite it does the opposite yeah because and that, it yeah. feels like it, it reads 
oh, I'm just doing what God told me to do and I'm, I feel forced and obligated to do. It, it doesn't feel like an actual extension of who you are. Like if I have to tell you, oh, I don't agree with this, but I'm here because this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be this forgiving and understanding. Yeah. I'm supposed to be, but I just want to let you know that I really don't agree with everything that you are. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. The line is made the moment yeah. you say that. Yeah, because like you said, like you can have your convictions, but there's no need for you to. I don't need to know you that. You don't need to. It's almost like by the moment you start doing that, you then create an enemy with the intention of trying to be their friend. I was like, well, just be my friend. You don't need to make an enemy out of me first. Uh, that is, that is really cool. <laughs> You got to put some good words in my in my brain. <laughs> That's why I said I want to have a uh, walk away from this conversation with a deeper understanding, yeah. not care. Yeah, and you know, I it's, <laughs> I guess we're always learning because I felt like I had a pretty good understanding before, but now even walking up, I have even greater understanding. Um, man, that is, I really appreciate you. I think it's a really cool, com cool, cool conversation. Uh, so what is it that, I don't, I didn't even ask you this. So what is it that you like do? Like, what is there, like, do you, like, where do you work? Do you, are you full time? Like, this is what you do. Like you speak, you talk about this. Um, what is what my friend affectionately refers to as tent making job? Or do you have like for right now, like I pay my bills working at FedEx. Um, but I would say what I do is this, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer and stuff like that. So like, what is it that you do? I currently work in commercial real estate because I think it's important to me to be in those positions of power, especially for our community to be able to, to create generational wealth and to show, yeah, and to um, not only create generational wealth, but to show representation that I am a black trans woman in a predominantly white male industry. So one, to my trans community, it is possible. And two, for my black women, in um, community that this is possible. So one, I hold on to that in the commercial real estate, but then also I do work as a trans educator and a public speaker, a motivational speaker. Yeah. So I just started my business, just Sweet Nightly Consulting, where I go into corporations and talk about gender diversity inclusion and what that looks like. Make sure you're, are you really being inclusive? Just like how you said, yeah, I thought I was being inclusive, Actually, you're not. Like, let's take a look at this website because I don't see anyone that looks like me on here. If I was looking for a job, do I want to work here based off of the images that you put up here? Does it look like you just slapped the Asian in here to be inclusive? Or are you really creating that work ethic or that integrity of a company and that culture that makes me want to come here? What does your policy look like? Does it look like I can transition here and I can find this information without it, me having to search and find it or go to someone and ask because that's a very private thing. Yeah. So I do that and then I do speaking engagements where I charge by the hour where we're having conversations just as this. Um, talk about trans issues, where my intersectionalities meet. Um, I'm well versed and I have the capacity and range to talk on, talk about a lot of different subjects yeah. as it pertains to my blackness, my transness, and my womanhood. Mm. So um, 
I do that. Eventually, I would like to get to a point where I'm doing that work solely, yeah. but I do understand the importance of me being in corporate America and what that representation does to our community when people view me and see that this is possible. Yeah. Because we didn't have, I didn't have that to see a trans person working in a male-dominated field, working period. The industry that I grew up, well, as I was growing up and finding my trans um, mentors or people that I looked up to, either they were performers, like um, lip syncers or performers like that, or they were sex workers. There was no other option where I could say, okay, well, this is something that I want to do, or, oh, I don't really agree with that. Is that the only thing that we have to do? So I think it's important. My representation is paramount in the industry to create not only generational wealth, but to show what trans visibility looks like in this type of industry. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> you're just cool. I think you're cool. So. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Well, man, I, we're, we're over an hour and I, there's so many other, I'm going to have you on again at some point because I just, there's so many other conversations I want to have, especially from like the workplace and you know, all this other stuff. But I want to, I want to keep it um, relatively, you know, listenable, which I'll probably, usually I just break this up and I'll type, take this, break it up into two parts or maybe, maybe three parts. Um, but what is... I think we talked about this. Oh, we did talk about this, but we'll, we'll bring it up one more time. What is one practical thing that a Christian can do to start becoming more inclusive? Removing that first thing that you have to self-proclaim your conviction. That's yeah, one. That's what we talked about. I think yeah. that was, in my opinion, I think that was probably the most powerful, like, mm -hmm. practical thing things that people just don't like I, mm -hmm. things that we don't think about like things that, I, I know what the Bible says I don't need yeah. you to tell me in the midst of that conversation yeah I know what if you're a diehard we call them Bible thumpers yeah where you live the, I call them heretic hunters you but. live by <laughs> the word and your interpretation is limited to your scope of interpretation your comprehension we know that already. if I could tear down one thing in this world for the better of the world I would be getting rid of your your Bible thumpers, your your bullhorn preachers, oh. your those are those are the people that I have the least amount of sympathy for <laughs> in this world. Because uh, is that really Christianity? I, no, it's not. It's not. I call them heretic hunters. They're oh. people that are obsessed with. I lump some of them these this group of people who just who they are the embodiment of what it looks like to tell others that you care before you show them that you care about them. They are they are telling everyone and thinking it is their false sense of zeal and false sense of righteousness to go and proclaim this thing that's really rooted in a in a very uh narcissistic way nar yeah narcissistic but i mean very uh oppressive mindset that is based on a system that was never what christ intended for the church like based on a dominating conquer the world big top dog persecutors of the world kind of mindset that was established in this anyway i'm gonna go whole, whole rant that's gonna go way over people's heads and so um, but anyways i i appreciate that i appreciate you i really hope that you've had a great time in this and my because like i said my hope is that you could walk away from this conversation if you're like man that person like they just generally want to know about me they want to know what i care about they just want to know what i genuinely think and i hope that i i was 
that throughout the whole thing you really felt like I genuinely wanted to know and was genuinely curious and genuinely was interested in you and what you think and and what matters to you. Um, I really love this conversation and you are the first guest I've ever got to have in person. All of my guests have been virtual and so it's been really, we were here at a Muchacho Coffee which is this super cool little taco coffee joint in Atlanta, Georgia Um, and so really grateful for them to host, to allow us to sit here and have this conversation. And um, what are some ways, um, oh man, it's a great time that we're ending soon because my battery's about to die. Uh, what are some ways that my listeners can like follow up and learn more about you and what you do and they can- My you? handle is Jesui Nile, and that's J-E-S-U-I-S-N-I-I-L-E-E. And it's consistent on my Clubhouse, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Um, I respond to all we'll DMs. That kind of yeah, yeah, right? It's consistent. <laughs> so if you follow me on any of those platforms, I respond to any messages um, respectfully. I am not one who is easily, easily triggered. So if you don't know how to formulate your question, feel free to ask it anyway. I know how to decipher what your intent was. Yeah. Um, so if you have questions or you need to book me, my email is in my bio. Um, I have a rate sheet. If you want me to come in and have conversations, absolutely, I'm open to doing that. Um, my goal is live to liberate my people, and by my people, I mean the trans community. Liberation for us is liberation for everybody. Once we're free, everyone is free. Thank you again, just so much. Just I love this conversation. I just think you're awesome. I think y'all are awesome. Y'all just been ch- chilling here, but I just think you're cool, anyways. And so, uh, yeah, thank you again so much. This has been truly wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Whew, what a great conversation! Like ah. Man, I even in this in the editing process, I I've listened to this conversation a couple of times now, and man, maybe you need to listen to it a couple of times as well because I I just there's certain key points that were made in this conversation that I think are just so important to teach us what it means for us to practically show others that we care before we tell them what we care about. And yeah, there are a couple points in there that I think were really key to understanding that, especially in this episode. Um, again, thank you to Chill Hop Music for letting us use their music for all of our episodes and especially this one. Now, I did ask you to wait till the end of the episode to hear an opportunity that I wanted to present to you. And so thank you if you are listening thus far and you stayed till the actual end of the episode. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about is my book. You've been listening to the Simply Love Jesus podcast. You've watched the Simply Love Jesus YouTube channel. You've engaged with the Simply Love Jesus website where we have a blog and a store where you can buy shirts and hoodies. But there is now a book, Simply Love Jesus. And you've heard it since day one. We are all about helping explore life and faith through the lens of one question. What does it mean to simply love Jesus? And this book answers that question in a full, comprehensive, but very simple manner. It answers that question. And I really believe you need to get this book. 
the problem is this is why I, I asked you to say to the end of the episode because the problem is it's not published yet. And that's because publishing is expensive. And so in our show notes, you can get a link to a GoFundMe campaign where we're asking for your support because frankly, I don't make a lot of money. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I'm living in luxury. I am not living in luxury. I essentially live paycheck to paycheck and I'm working to make being an author and a speaker and the content that I provide for you. My goal is to make that my full-time income, but right now it is a no time, no income for all the time. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, we, we were trying to publish this book, but finances are getting in the way, especially when you don't make money. Um, <laughs> so if you go to our show notes, I'm not going to sit here and try to make a big fluff piece and try to be the best marketer in the world. I'm just telling you listeners, there, there are over a thousand people that listen to this podcast. And if half of you donated $5, this book would be fully funded. I'm not asking you to give 50 bucks. I'm not asking you to give 20 bucks. Not asking you to, you know, to get a blood contract or anything. I'm just asking for five dollars. Five dollars from 500 people would fully fund the publishing for this book, and I truly believe you need this book. I put my heart and soul and everything that I believe and God has done in my heart, I put into writing. And then I worked really hard to take all of that complex language that I had in the book and break it down to be very simple that you could understand it and it'd be a book that you not just read but a book that you reread it's something that you can carry with you and it can help you it just kind of keep you on track and keep you focused as you live this life and you navigate through the issues of life and you're trying to make loving jesus be the filter be the thing that motivates you that pushes you forward that keeps you going on and, and it helps you remind you of what's important and what God called you to and all these things. This is what this book was written for was to keep you inspired for that. So yeah, please, if you really support this podcast, if you really love the content that we are providing for you, then I would ask that you would just be bold and be generous and go down to our show notes. Um, You can see it. It'll be the first thing that pops up. And I want to encourage you to, to give $5. That's all I'm asking is $5 and you can help my dream come true of publishing this book and getting the opportunity for other people to be inspired and encouraged by the content that was written in it. So thank you so much for what you've, you've done for us so far, listening, engaging, sharing this podcast. And I just ask that you would just do one more step and you would be a major encouragement to me. Uh, so thank you again for listening. Thank you again to Nile who was just provided incredible content for us. Great thoughts to think about. And yeah, follow us on Instagram at SLJ Ministries. Let us know how we can pray for you.